Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm Elizabeth Emery, and my guest is Shauna Conway, who organized the Cleveland Girls Winter Classic, an annual hockey tournament played in Halloran Park on the western edge of Cleveland, Ohio. Shauna coaches the Barons U14 girls team, and tryouts are coming right up in early April. You can find out more information on their website, clebarons.com. We have a link to that in episode notes on hearhersports.com. In this episode, Shauna talks about coaching young girls, the current state of professional women's hockey, and female athletes in the media. We have exciting episodes coming up in the next month with a journalist, a collegiate fencer, and a sports psychologist. Stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Welcome, Shauna. Thank you for having me. So let's start just by, why don't you tell me who you are? Hey, Shauna Conway. And you're a hockey player? I am. I am a hockey player and a hockey coach. So I know you played when you were a kid, so explain how you got started. Well, it's funny. Both of my parents are or were athletes, but neither of them played ice hockey. So my dad's a rugby man, and my mother is a basketball player. And we moved to this neighborhood on the east side of Cleveland, and our next-door neighbors happened to just be hockey crazy. They loved it. And we saw them doing it, and we're like, let's give that a try. Who knows what that might be like? And then we both were addicted to the ice from day one. And by we, I mean my brother, Neil, and I. And then later, my other brothers came along, and they also fell in love with it. So That's cool. It's also interesting that your dad n- did not play. Yeah. No, he, I'm not even sure he can skate, really. <laughs> we don't really know. <laughs> I'm certain my mother cannot. She wouldn't go near the ice. Uh, they're both very tall and scared of gravity, but she's a great basketball player. My dad was a rugby man, so a sport, a sport-loving family, but not ice hockey players by trade. And so when was that, that you started playing? I, well, I started skating when I was about six. So I had the basic skills down from about six to 10. I was a figure skater, not ashamed to say. And then at 10, I just was like, that looks like more fun when I saw the guys playing hockey. So I said, okay, I'm done with this figure skating thing. I'm going to play hockey now. And what are you doing now for your own playing? Not for the coaching part. Not enough, unfortunately. There is a women's team in Cleveland. They're called Team Clee. And they're mostly made up of former college players. I think there was a former Olympian on it um, at one stage. So they're a very competitive group, and they keep asking me to come play. But with work and coaching and all this different stuff I'm doing outside of work, it's really hard to find time to play. But the intention is this summer to get back into it and then um, hopefully at least once a week play pickup hockey with my friends. Are you, tr- are you staying fit and, and training? I do. I get up and train in the mornings. Often it, it helps with, you know, getting ready for work generally. But also, actually, I play street hockey, which is, you know, outdoors in the summertime. My brother runs a street hockey league, so I try to stay fit for that because that is just pure running, which I have never been very good at it. So I need to keep it up. Decide what you would like to talk about in terms of your coaching and the Cleveland Girls Ice Hockey Tournament, because I want to talk about both of them, and I know that they're both super important for you. Well, I think what is most important for me now, from a coaching perspective and a development <clears throat> excuse me, perspective, is the growth of the game locally. You know, girls hockey hasn't really grown much here since I was a kid, so I'm 33 years old now, so when I grew up here in the 90s, there were... Basically, two organizations that had girls hockey, not much more than that. And then I left and played college hockey. I lived in Europe for a while, lived in New York City. Then I come back two decades later, and it's still, as much as there's been a bit of growth, not as much as I would have hoped. So my hope now is to get the game to grow here, but also to kind of reverse the trend of 
13, 14, 15-year-old girls leaving home to go to prep school or to go live somewhere else because they can't play here and grow up and make it to college or make it to the, you know, to the NWHL. They have to live somewhere else, and I I don't like that. So most girls that play hockey that come from Cleveland that want to continue with hockey have to go to prep school out of city. Yes, absolutely. And some of our top players right now from this area who were born and bred here have already left at they're 16 years old and they they live in other states uh, because of the exposure that they gain by playing in places that have more hockey in general. That's so interesting because one of the things that I am wanting to point out in this podcast is how the lack of funding and the lack of interest in women's sports has all these auxiliary aspects to it that we don't even consider. And that's certainly one of them. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my goals. That's why I do the Winter Classic. That's why I spend almost all of my free time coaching and not sleeping um, is because I care that much about the growth of the game here and nationwide that it means a lot to me to make sure that girls can grow up in Cleveland. They can say they're from Cleveland. They can play basketball on the street with their friends growing up. They can finish their high school here, those formative years, and then go play college somewhere else, as any kid should be able to do. And I I discovered this when I was at the tournament, talking to one of the players, that the only school here that has a team is Gilmore. Yep, that's right. And that's actually where I went to high school. And that is the only school right now that caters to high-end players who are very skilled, who want to play college. And of course, as you know, there's only so many spots on the team for a group of girls. So it's not like there's an endless supply of spaces for those types of girls. Wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Why don't you describe what the the ice hockey tournament is actually about. And I was really fascinated by the format of it. Great. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty awesome how it just all comes together. We never know each year how it's going to go, whether there's going to be crickets or it just takes off and each year it has. It's really getting... It's about getting back to the basics. So the the love of the game, the love of competition, being in the open air. You spend so much of your time indoors playing hockey, going to work, going to school... You forget how uplifting it is to be outside doing what you love. It's really how simple it is, but how fun it is. And so that's what uh, the outdoor game is all about. That's a beautiful rink. It is. It has great character. I love that it's kind of in the city, in the suburb part of the city. I don't know. There's na- there's like people, you know, cooking breakfast, right? <laughs> and they're like looking down at what we're doing. You can hear dogs barking and we're playing ice hockey right in the middle of it all. Yeah, it. it's awesome. Why don't you describe pretty detailed how the format works and how you divide the teams up and yeah this has been an issue that we've gotten a lot of great feedback on and so I think we're going to stick with it is that there are so many people now well not people in general but I guess the natural inclination in sports is that you have your club or your team or your city and that's who you play for and you're never going to play for anybody else which is fine But what we want to do is not to have those various teams, so let's say Strongsville, Mentor, and Rocky River, sign up on their own to compete against each other. We want to force the girls to get to know other girls, um, to play with and against their friends and meet new people. So myself and the other organizers literally sit down and go through all the players who sign up. We know a lot of them. The ones we don't know, we go through their capabilities by how long they've played and where they play, and we try to even out the skill level. So we match up the teams, we try to make it a range of ages and skills and make the most competitive teams we can so nothing is too lopsided throughout the day. And who are your players that that come to play? 
They're from all over, mostly Cleveland girls. So I have a lot of Gilmore players, a lot of Barons players. But then we have suddenly we have girls from Erie, Pennsylvania coming, Michigan. And shockingly enough, there was a girl from West Virginia there, which took me by surprise. I had no idea. Wow. You must be the only one that's doing this kind of tournament. Yeah, I can't. I haven't found anything else like it yet locally. Now, it's a beautiful thing that a lot of the NWHL teams now, they are getting to play in the NHL Winter Classics. So let's say the Montreal Canadiens play the Boston Bruins on January 1st. The girls also get a time slot to have their big game, which is great, which is helping, I think, bring, um, you know, or at least get more younger girls interested in this event here in Cleveland. And there's nothing else like it happening as far as I know. That's that's really it's exciting. It was it was a really great event. I love I loved you. watching, and I was also super impressed with the players and how they were able to move the puck and their skating skills are really quite impressive. They are. There are some really fantastic players. Those uh, the, most of them were 16, 17. We made sure that each one of the like the star players got put on a different team so they could p- compete against one another, and they really can move the puck. And they're also you know, three-on-three hockey is all about movement, creating time and space for the puck and making plays, and it's really high energy. There's really no strategy other than, like, get to, get the puck to the net and um, keep going the entire game. And they those girls with their speed and their puck movement were just brilliant to watch all day. So I read in, uh, I think it was a Cleveland.com article that you said playing is a great way to get away from stress and anxiety of studying. I thought that was really fascinating, especially since you're coaching younger girls. Yeah, it's interesting how I think the the joy that I get out of it is that I love watching them grow up and through these very difficult years from like 10 to 16. I remember the torture I put my parents through. So I love being there for them through this because I remember what it was like. And then also, you know, you have your nine to five day job, which you have to put up with and which I do. And just being on the ice and being with the girls every day is really a stress reliever for me because I kind of like just being in there with them and watching them grow up. I think it's great. What do you personally get from the coaching? You know, it's interesting. How, I never thought I would love anything more than playing when I grew up. And then, of course, as my playing days were ending, it was very emotional. I was like, well, nothing can get better than this. But I th- I was wrong. And I still think I was wrong because I love coaching so much. And there's just something very edifying, maybe is the word, about watching someone else fall in love with the game watching them struggle and helping them through the struggle. I guess you get to be the coach you never had. Not that I didn't have great coaches, but, you know, there are moments that you look back on that you would do differently. And then I get to be there for these young girls as they grow up. They learn how to love their bodies, not um, not be threatened by other women, to be empowered by having teammates. And I just think All of those things are really great to be a part of, um, and I love being part of it as an adult for young teenage girls. It must be great for them to have a woman coach. I think so. I I didn't know how a lot of them would react because they're so used to having their dads coach. But slowly you start to earn their trust, and now I don't don't think they would change it. In fact, I know the feedback is we don't ever want to have another parent coach ever again. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. Yeah. So what is the team that you now coach? 
I coach the Cleveland Barons U14, so basically 13 and 14-year-old girls. But we have two teams. We have a higher-level team that goes to some elite tournaments and then a more local team, although we compete in a league out of Detroit, um, we still have a full schedule. Um, they're just a little bit... Um, not less skilled, I would say. Maybe there are uh, newer players who are getting used to competitive hockey. Um, and the, the higher team, those girls have played since they were little. So two different levels, but still very competitive, each on their own. Yeah, I was really amazed also talking to the girls at the tournament, how, how young they were when they started. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get over that. I know. They're like here up to my knee and they've been playing for a few years so i mean some of the people i talked to had been you know they were 12 years old and had been skating for eight years yeah (laughs) i know four years old it's great it is so what are your your sort of long-term goals for these girls well i would really love for them to be able to stay at home and live their teenage years out at home because not only should you just be able to do that as a kid you know, boarding school is extremely expensive. There's no reason why somebody should have to leave, you know, Magnificat or Rocky River High School or Mentor High School or wherever they go in Northeast Ohio um, and go pay, you know, four years of more than it costs to go to college just to be able to get to college hockey. It just shouldn't happen like that. So my hope is that we start to develop enough girls and enough competition that locally we stand out on our own. For example, Pittsburgh. That's a real hockey hotbed where a lot of really great, talented hockey players come out of. Or, of course, Toronto. Those girls are not leaving home until they sign with a the college. They sign with Ohio State or they sign with, sign with Wisconsin, and then they get to go. So that's what I would like. I would like to be able to grow the talent here and grow the game and help girls be able to stay here as long as they can. Have you been talking to the high schools and asking them about supporting a women's hockey team? You know what? I haven't. I think that is definitely on the to-do list. The more I get my feet set, you know, I've been home in Cleveland for three and a half years now, I think. Yes, it's about three and a half years. The more I get my feet on the ground coaching, and now there's actually going to be a merger between the two girls programs here in Cleveland so that we're all working together, which is great. I think that will be part of the next step is to go to the high schools and say, hey, listen, we have a lot of really talented girls around here. We should really do something for them so you don't lose them. It sounds like, you know, any school that provided that would get a lot of applicants right away. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of the model should be the way Minnesota does it. I mean, they have high school hockey there. That's the thing to do is to play for your high school. That's how you get recruited. And that's for boys and girls, whereas that is not the case here in Cleveland. And hopefully we can change that someday. And how are you attracting players to your league? Well, we do a lot of advertising Ohio-wide, and that is because Columbus does have a girls' program. Of course, they have the Columbus Blue Jackets in the NHL, so there's a lot of money there and help there for their youth programs. But beyond that, there isn't a lot of women's ice hockey in Toledo, not in Cincinnati, not in other areas of Ohio, really. And so we draw a lot from Ohio-wide as far as our tryouts go. And I guess, for lack of a better term, we spam everyone we know in the hockey community at tryout time and say, this is a new and upcoming program here with the Barons. Come out and check us out. You know, you don't have to do anything but show up and see if you like it. It was that was the another thing that I noticed when I was interviewing the players at the tournament was that I would say ninety nine point five percent of the players I spoke to either a brother or a father had played hockey. Yep, that's usually the case. In fact, 
in my situation, my brother Neil had played several years before I did. I watched him as a figure skater and then had said, no, this isn't for me. So that's exactly how it happened. Even though he is younger than I am, I picked it up from him. Yeah, I, b- I bet it is hard to attract sort of the non-hockey knowledgeable yeah, well, the the reaction is always, and even hockey people I know will react this way. I don't want her to get hurt. I don't want her to play because I don't. I don't want her to get hurt, and I just laugh because I, I mean, you can get hurt doing anything. You can be running through the woods in a cross country meet, trip over a stick, <laughs> and get hurt. That's just the nature of it. But there is this concept that hockey's violent and that it is rough. And my, you know, my answer to that is always, well, A, there's a really big movement to get violence out of the game. Now, there's people for and against that. But given the concussion litigation and the NFL and in other sports and how, how serious some injuries have been from all of the fighting and violence, that is getting out of the game. And, of course, in the women's game is much more about skill and finesse because there is no checking. Now, there's body contact, but there is no checking. So there aren't those huge crashes where people go into the boards and the glass shatters. Um, what are you, during practice, what are you teaching the girls in terms of, you know, in terms of that kind of play, but also in terms of skills? Like how much is skills? How much is skating? How much is tactics? Well, we try to get all of those things in, but our main focus, if I had to narrow it down, would be skill in the sense of possessing the puck. Because a lot of these girls do grow up playing with boys, and the boys get stronger at a certain age. There's just this you know, biological thing that happens where they just get bigger and stronger, and it's hard for us to catch up. So a lot of girls grow up throwing the puck away. And I literally mean as soon as they get it, they just want to get rid of it, either for fear of being hit or their coaches have told them, just get rid of it, just get rid of it. Because they're playing with boys. I think so. I mean, that's the only logical explanation I can think of because every single one of our players who grew up playing boys and then comes over to us does that. So what we try to do is get them comfortable with possessing the puck with their head up, not playing fearful, playing confident, and learning how in order to win, you have to possess the puck as a team. And so we work on skill for possession all the time. You talked earlier about enjoying sort of being part of their lives. Do you also address in a formal way any of the body issues that you talked about or anything like that? We do. I, I think I would like to do more of it. Um, it's a funny, <laughs> it's a funny line to walk, and I'm still figuring it out. And I think actually the best thing moving forward would be to have maybe a professional talk to girls about body image and about nutrition because. I can see it already, some of the issues, because a lot of them are just starting high school. They're in eighth and ninth grade, and there is a lot of scrutiny, and there's a lot of messages out there from whatever you want to call it, the media, society, social media, all these things they have access to. And I know that a lot of them are not confident in who they are physically or personally. So we work on that as a group, but I would love to address it more specifically because in the next few years are you know, the key years for that. Learning to love yourself and love who you are and not answer to those very false portrayals of what a woman is and what a woman is not in the media. So that's an ongoing process. We are figuring out the best way to communicate that message. And it sounds like you have other coaches that are involved. Yeah, I have uh, one of my assistant coaches is Jackie Madison. She grew up on the east side like I did. She played for Buffalo State, and she coaches with me now. And then Dean Kelly, who's actually from Ireland, all the way from Ireland, where they do have ice hockey, um, he's here. He studies at Case Western, and he also coaches the girls. 
What is your association with Ireland? I... <laughs> yeah, I know. You can't miss that when you Google my name. Well, I after college, uh, when I was done playing college hockey, I didn't really know what was next because you grow up so attached to the game. You really don't know who you are without it. So then I had this epiphany that I was going to move to Europe. And I had an Irish passport, so I was like, well, that's the perfect place. So I applied to get my master's in history, since I had an undergrad in history. And then, as I was literally leaving to go to Dublin to move there, I found out they had ice hockey there. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to pack two extra bags, one of all my equipment and one of my goalie pads. So I did. I brought my gear, and then it all kind of was serendipitous. At the same time as I got there, they had opened up an ice rink recently. Uh, an hour north of Dublin. They were starting a women's national team, so I got to be a part of that. So it was kind of perfect timing. Wow, that's that must have been awesome. It was. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was more than I could have ever imagined. I mean, I made the best friends in the whole world being a part of Irish ice hockey, but I also got to play in the world championships in Sofia, Bulgaria, and Izmir, Turkey, wow. and then go to uh, like Latvia, Sweden, England, Scotland to play, which was really phenomenal. What was your best memory from playing over there and playing in the world championships? You know, that is a very good question. The best memory, it certainly wasn't the first game. (laughs) We were playing Poland, who were incredible. So that was a rough start to the Irish women's ice hockey in the world championships. Oh, I know what it is. In Turkey, when we were playing, I can't remember whether we were playing Spain or Turkey itself. I have to to go back and look. But um, we all got arm in arm at the end of the game and sang the Irish national anthem in Irish, which I was horrendous at, but my teammates did the best they could to teach me the Irish version of their national anthem. So that was one of the coolest moments ever because you're there on the international stage, people representing their country. You have Spain, Bulgaria, Poland, Turkey, and Ireland, and it was um, priceless, really. Do you remain in contact with with your friends that you made there and the hockey players? I do. I I just got back from a wedding a few weeks ago. Um, Two of my best friends got married. Uh, They were hockey players. One of the Shona Higgins, my dear friend, she got married to a hockey player there and we played on the national team together. So I I talk to them all the time. That's great. That's great. And how did your playing and your experience in sport get you to where you are today in terms of being a businesswoman, being confident? I mean, your personal benefit from being a sport person. You know, it's funny. I You don't think about it consciously as you're going through your day, but when things get really tough at work, in my job, the stress levels are really high and the pressure is really high. And then there are moments when you say, can I do this? You know, you have this imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Why did they pick me? Why am I here? I can't do this. And then what I do remember is that I have been here before. I have felt like this before, and I was able to get through it and get over it because you'll have moments, you know, you're playing hockey on the international stage or in college or wherever, and the pressure is extremely high, and you just learn to get through it. You learn how to work through it and believe in yourself. And as trite as that sounds, that's really what you have to do in the working world too is when you feel all this insecurity is to just keep going stay true to who you are stay true to your strengths and eventually you'll wake up the next day and you'll have conquered whatever fear you felt the day before wow do you think that comes naturally just by playing the sports or for you know for example will you address that with your players that you're coaching now yeah i try sorry to cut you off i uh, i try to talk to them about work all the time so they get 
you know, you're 14 years old, you feel all this stuff, all these emotions, and you think your parents are stupid, and you think no one understands <laughs> you, and bullying happens, and you, you look at an adult, and you don't think they get it. And what I try to talk to them, actually, before every single practice as we step on the ice and before we begin drills, I ask them how school is, and I try to say something about work. Like, I made a major mistake today in the courtroom. I was not on, and I said, you know what? I'm human, and I'm going to be better. So I always try to do that, and they laugh. And, you know, some of the more mature ones get it. Some of the other ones are like, what do you do? I don't understand. So, <laughs> But you would try to send that message that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be human as long as we're all in this together as a group and supporting each other we are going to be okay i want you as a coach <laughs> thank you <laughs> I, i'm not perfect but uh, no I, yeah, i'm working on it but I, I do love it so that's half the battle that's great so you touched on it a little bit earlier i really want to talk about the national women's Ho- hockey league and sort of why don't you just tell me what you think the current situation is and particularly in the light of the the recent pay cuts. Yeah, it's unfortunate. That wasn't great news to hear, but you know, thank God for social media because there was so much information coming out at the end of the season that I could kind of sense there was some issues over pay and then the announcement was made that in order to survive they've had to they would have to have pay cuts. That was disappointing, but I hate to say it, I'm not surprised and I'll just going to be very high and mighty about this. There's still a major problem with the coverage of women's sports in general in our world. Actually, I wrote my master's thesis on this. But I have a real problem and I get very offended by, you know, the way that women's sports are covered. And until that changes from a societal point of view, I don't know how easy it will be for leagues like this to survive. As in the way that male sportscasters talk about the WNBA. And the way that male sportscasters talk about female athletes, whether it's in the Olympics or what have you, it, it's not where it should be in order to really get people to pay attention to women's sports. With that being said, something I think changed in the Sochi Olympics for women's ice hockey, and people started to really understand how very good these girls are, how they are unbelievably skilled and amazing at what they do, and people took notice. And people who don't even care about women's ice hockey or ice hockey at all watched that final between Team Canada and Team USA. So I think that really helped the momentum for the National Women's Hockey League. And my hope is that these are just some growing pains for the league and that people continue to support it the way that the fanatics do and the, the very small community it has does. You know, I don't think it's great that They have to be paid so little, have another job, and somehow still maintain, you know, everything they need to do to be able to be a professional athlete. I think that's nuts. And I hope that this is just a small time period where they're they're struggling to survive and eventually they'll get where they need to go. I have so many questions. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That was a lot. That was a mouthful. So we can start wherever. Uh, Why don't you start with where you started, which is where do you, how do you want women's sports to be covered? Right. Well, for, you know, the the pure or simplest thing, which is, are they really good at this? And obviously, if they're on TV or they're a professional, then yes, they are. And that should really be the only question. What they look like should not be a topic of conversation. Ever. Ever. And it is not an accomplishment to be beautiful 
And it's very annoying when, you know, there's like a high jumper on at the Olympics or, you know, somebody like Kelly Stack, who's from Cleveland, who's doing an interview in the Sochi Olympics. And it's like, oh, she's beautiful and she's good at what she does. Well, why is that extraordinary in the first place? And why is it an accomplishment to be beautiful? Men are not talked about in that way. And so the playing field is never going to be leveled until a woman is just a female athlete or she's just an athlete without you know, the adjective at the front of it. She's just an athlete and she's either really good at what she does or she's not. And that should, that's how men are covered. And, you know, nobody really talks about how beautiful or not beautiful all the men that are on the field are. And I think that should be the same for women because then all this extra baggage about the female body and a woman's place in our world gets thrown out the door and we can focus on just the love of the game. And... How do you think that that could happen? Do you, I mean, one thing I would like to see is more female announcers. Absolutely. I, I agree completely. I know Canada's doing a great job because their female ice hockey team is so good. They have some really great Canadian sportscasters, female ones, for TSN. I would like to see more of that here. I would like to see less of a group of men, you know, between every NFL halftime, basketball game, you name it. It's just a circle of men talking about things as if women have nothing to say about that. It would be great if it were more inclusive um, in order to start the conversation and to also end the conversations that are not helpful. Let's also, I'd like to ask about, because I've thought about this, what about the content of coverage of women's sports for women? Should that be exactly the same as the content of coverage for men's sports for men? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. You know, I don't know. I think hmm. I at least think as a starting point, the goal should be to get as much coverage um, to have as to have the athletes celebrated, I guess, as much as the men are and held in high regard as heroes just as much as the men are. However, you know, I don't think that means that we have to mimic what they do. There's probably something even more special or, you know, uniquely important about women's coverage that it doesn't have to be like men's coverage. So there probably is a different conversation that would happen if it were a group of women talking about women's sports, talking about co-ed sports or talking about male sports. It would probably be different. And like if you could dream up five years from now, what would the National Women's Hockey League look like? Jeez, at least $100,000 a year minimum <laughs> salary. No, I don't want, you know, who knows about the figures. I would love to see those girls surviving on a salary, doing what they love, being able to survive. Also not having to choose between being a mom or having a family and hockey or having a career and having hockey. Those things should be able to happen at the same time. Now, there are a few uh, trailblazers out there who are doing it. Um, There are women who are having families and playing hockey at the same time. I just don't think it's that easy. And it would be really great if it was easier for these women to do that. I know specifically, actually, one player, I believe she scored the first goal in NWHL history. She left because she got a great job offer. And so it would be nice if you didn't have to make that decision, if you could, you know, make a great living being a professional women's ice hockey player and not having to choose. There were a lot of players that were having to choose between staying with the their hockey teams or leaving after the announcement. 
Yeah. Well, actually, there's a girl who lives locally, Vanessa Gagnon. She's a fantastic player from Quebec. She played for Clarkson. She won a national championship. I mean, she's an unbelievable player. She, I know she tried out in the National Women's Hockey League for one of the teams. She made it, but she could not turn down the wonderful job that she had. It, it was one or the other, and she just could not financially turn it down. And I don't think that that's a fair choice. I, I don't think you should have to make that decision. Um, if you're going to, that's fine. But there are women who literally cannot survive on the money that's available to them in the National Women's Hockey League. Right. Given that discussion, what are you like? How do you advise your players that you're coaching about getting into collegiate hockey and you know aspiring for the Olympics or anything beyond college? Yeah, you know, a lot of them have those dreams, which is great to see. A vast majority of my players want to play in college. They already know what schools they love, and they want to play on the Olympic team. And so I really try to I, – maybe I'm hard on them. I don't know because when I'm on the ice, I, I don't scream, but I yell. I expect a lot of them on and off the ice. So as people, they, you know, they need to become unselfish players. They need to become – Players that coaches want to recruit. I say that all the time. The way you carry yourself on and off the ice. So if, if you don't score a goal on the ice, have you slammed your stick? I can see that. If anyone's watching, they can see that. Off the ice, are you gossiping about your teammates? So from the very most basic stuff up to how we train, how we treat our bodies, how we treat each other, it starts with every day. The effort that you put in every day, your sleep, your homework, your nutrition, how you treat each other and how hard you practice, that's what's going to get you there and nothing else. So even if you're a late starter or even if you were, you've been a star your whole life and told you're a star your whole life, if you're not putting in the effort every day, you will not get those goals. And so on those things, I'm pretty hard on them, but I know how much it takes and I don't want them to be disappointed or misled. And, and what about making sure that they have an alternative. Well, that too, and I try to address that too, because when I have this conversation at the start of the year, I say, and if you don't want to do those things, it's really okay. It really is okay to just be here to love it. And I said, and if you want those things and you don't achieve them, that's also okay. It doesn't mean that you're not a worthy person, that you're not worthy of dignity, and that you're not a great hockey player. Because I didn't. My intention was to play for Team USA, and I got close enough, but not close enough to make it. I wasn't on the team. And that really is okay. And so you can't hold all of your self-worth in those things either, in those achievements. So if you go through every day and you work hard for yourself and your teammates, you treat your body with respect, and you treat other people with respect, you're going to turn out like a great person, which is equally rewarding as becoming a star on the ice. Do you expect the National Women's Hockey League to be sort of better set up by the time your players get to that point? I do. I really do have a lot of faith in the commissioner, Danny Ryland. She's taken a dream and she's just done it, which is so inspirational. I mean, it's it's ballsy what she did. She just did it. And I think a lot of people were waiting for her to fail and she's still here. Now, again, we talked about the struggles they're having financially, but those girls that are a part of that league are incredible at what they do. They're the greatest players in the world, some of the girls on that team. Uh, sorry, on those teams. Now, the CWHL, which I, I guess is a competitor, if you will, in Canada, who they're not really professional, you know, the, all the rest of the greatest players in the world play there. So everyone is here doing it. The best players in the world are in one general geographic area. Um, 
and the women's game has consistently gotten better over the last decade. So I have every faith that it'll continue to grow. Um, and with passionate people like Danny in charge, I, I do think that we'll get through it. Do you go to games? I, I do when I can. I went to a Buffalo Buttes game last year, which was awesome. And this year, luckily, our team, the Lady Barons, are playing in Buffalo at the same time that Buffalo is having a game. But the cooler part is that Kelly Stack of the Connecticut Whale is playing in Buffalo versus Brienne McLaughlin of Cleveland. So we've got two Cleveland NWHL stars playing against each other with a Cleveland girls team there. And you're going to so, take everybody. Oh, yeah. That's We're going to go bananas. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I can't wait. That's, when is that? That is February 26th. I think if that's the Sunday, February 26th, it is that day. That's yeah. great. So what, what, can, what can fans of women's sports do to support women's sports and yeah. feel free just to talk about hockey if you if oh. you'd like i mean go to games buy the merchandise um does that make a real difference i i think i think it has for the nwhl and i of course that's the niche i know now because of the fact that people start to fall in love with these players and fall in love with the team and so i guess i compare it to minor hockey teams because it's hard to compare it to the nhl because that is multi-million dollar business when you look at minor pro teams like the cincinnati cyclones or the toledo walleye which are men's professional teams but they're you know they're a few steps down from the nhl those teams have incredible following and even if only four thousand to maybe ten thousand people sit in that arena those fans are there all the time, and that sustains itself, and those players can survive off of that, and they are professional ice hockey players. In fact, that's what my brother Neil, he, he played in the, for the Toledo Walleye uh, for a while, and so he loved that lifestyle, and I think that the women's game is sustainable on that model, that local places, local communities will attach. If you just give it a chance and go and support them, you will be entertained, which it, you know, which is what sports is all about. And the WNBA, I mean, people knock it, but go to a game, sit down and get into it, and you will be highly entertained by the athleticism that's there. And I think that's the case for any sport. You watch women's tennis, it's incredible. I can't take my eyes off of women's tennis. So if you just, you know, give it a chance, go to the games, support it, I think that on your own you will choose to watch those things on TV and you'll love it. What can the the organization of the WNBA and the W the NWHL? <laughs> that's a mouthful. Yeah, I gotta right? tell you, what can those two organizations do to highlight some of the players and to, you know, get it so that people know them and want to follow them? I mean, people love stories, and that's what they want to follow. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's starting to happen more and more. I wish it happened a little more with the WNBA be because there really is an incredible amount of talent in that league. I know I actually, you know, LeBron James and some of the guys in the NBA are being very good about that, including the WNBA players in the dialogue. They've been great. Mentioning them, talking about them because they are their equals and that's what we need. We more we need more leaders acknowledging these females and the NHL has done it as well. They are you know, it wasn't just us that had the Winter Classic. The girls were also here, and they had their game. And so these are the best female players. And so, you know, if the NHL takes it upon its shoulders to partner with the NWHL, same for the NBA, same for other leagues whose acronyms are escaping me right now. But, you know, if they realize the value in having the women as a part of, you know, the celebration of ice hockey or basketball or soccer or whatever it is, 
um, I think that they will continue to be successful jointly, not just for the women, not just for the sake of throwing them something, but because people really like it. People really like women's hockey when they get into it. People really like, you know, women's basketball or women's soccer when they actually give it the time of day. So I think if, you know, the women's leagues fight for notoriety and fight to be a part of what's going on in the professional leagues that we all know about, um, and those leagues take it upon themselves to include the female teams, then you know, I can see um, great partnerships down the road, and hopefully that's the idea. I like it. I like it. Well, is there anything else that uh, you'd like to talk about? No, I don't think so. That was a lot. Um, <laughs> but I, um, of course, will say that if you're interested in women's ice hockey, please feel free to contact me if you're listening. Whether you're, you know, 40 years old and have never played or you are have a five- or six-year-old daughter who you want to get into it, I can help you with that. And, of course, check out the Winter Classic every year in January at Halloran. And, of course, uh, we're going to actually have a Summer Classic, which is the street hockey uh, three-on-three tournament in Painesville. Um, we're going to play outdoors this summer. So that's all I have to say. That's awesome. Thank you so <laughs> no, much. Thank you for having me and listening to me. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm on a podcast tonight, so you better watch out. If you like this episode, tell your friends. And consider making a contribution. Look for the Contribute page on hearhersports.com or purchase a Hear Her Sports notebook designed by the wonderful Agnes Studio. Hear Her Sports is recorded, edited, produced, and marketed by me, Elizabeth Emery, with help from Leap Strategy and Agnes Studio. Thank you to Goldmines for use of their album, Goldmines. Find links to all of these fantastic people on hearhersports.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hear Her Sports. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.